Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. We have a special, it's kind of a gear show and it's kind of a live show. We have Mark Knight on. He's going to do some songs tonight live. Um, we're going to talk some of his gear. He's going to kind of see what's going on. How you doing, man? Doing great. How are you, Sean? Good seeing you again. <laughs> All right. We talked yeah. quite frequently lately. So, Thanks for having me on the show again. Well, I'm glad you're on it. I've been listening to your album since really it's come out. Nobody like it's the six months now about. Yeah, six months. Uh, this actually this week, Monday was six months. Days of a Dreamer. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. You get a lot of good press on it too. Uh, and you just posted a uh, Spotify. He's got a. Uh... Uh, Spotify verified me this week, but whatever that means. <laughs> I, mean, I guess that's a thing or something. But you know they. Uh, they threw me a bone, I guess, because I've got three or four records on there. And I'm, I've got some, you know, streamings, I guess. I don't know. I don't really know how they judge that, but I thought it was cool. You know, and they also gave me the it radio cool. station, Mark Knight on Sung Heroes Radio. So whatever it is, uh, why not share it? Yeah. Until then, I'm doing these acoustic shows. You know, I play these these wineries and just, you know, low profile gigs just, you know, just to keep my chops up and getting in front of people still where I can. But it was interesting. So, like, sometimes when you go to a show, and not just you and anybody, and you go and you see someone play acoustically, and they play something original, and if you're not familiar with them, it's always hit or miss. So you're you're going to a crowd, but everyone's, everyone's <laughs> but going to a winery, and going like, so it's really cool. Like, and and but one of the things you do is your songs are like very catchy, you know. So you're like two or three verses into it, like you're like oh, like all some people are into it. You mean so it's not like it's like oh my god, they're gonna play like cats in a crowd. You know what I'm saying? Right. But do you find yourself winning over like people coming in that don't know you at different places? And then you, cause it's an acoustic performance of originals, you know, you use some of the challenges. Yeah. I deal with that all the time because right, so especially like these wineries, because that's like a general public venue. People go there to sip wine and they want to hear the classic rock songs or whatever. And here's, here's me up there playing a bunch of original songs, but you know, couple glasses of wine and people come up to me and they're like, Whoa, you're really, you're really good. You remind me of Bob Dylan. You remind me of Tom Petty. You remind me of this guy. And all of a sudden, you know, the uh, familiar kind of sound to my songs and music wins them over where they just, they end up liking my songs. And then if I'm lucky, they'll buy the music and they'll become a fan. And, uh, but it always seems to work out, you know, it's usually a little, little cold in the beginning on some of those, I call them general public shows where you're playing to uh, people that aren't necessarily going there to see you. Um, they're just going there to have wine and hang out on a Sunday right. or Saturday. But it, 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 you know, I do like four hours. So usually by, by the end, I'll throw in a couple covers that they know just to kind of like let them sing along or at least, but then I have, you know, my people that come out, my, my fans and, you know, my handful of friends and fans that come out from the neighborhood or, or just in general that know the songs and then other people mm-hmm. see those people singing my songs and then they kind of go, Whoa, whoa who is this guy? <laughs> well, that, that, that's the thing. I've heard you on a loop. I have not had the opportunity to see you live yet, but I've seen your clips on YouTube. I've heard the live, you know, whatever. And you, you're good. So it's not about that. It's just about, it's a new medium. This isn't like back in the day with the tons of rock shows and then the audiences are different. So you're going in, just cold, stone cold killer. Like, so yeah. that's a new yeah. challenge for you. And as an artist, that's, it's scary, but it's also going to be kind of exciting because like I said, each time you're winning back, like I said, you're winning back people and your, your, your songs are also riffy. You still have that riff in them. You still have that melody that kind of catches. You're not totally. Well, with the band, spooky. with the band and electrified, you know, I can win people over 
more easy by just the guitar playing or whatever a, a cool jam solo people right. are like, oh yeah I was, you know they like to see me play lead guitar and that that is like a tool that you know if i'm not winning them over necessarily with the songs then i'll pull that that jam card and just you know extend a solo of an extra eight bars and then people will be like then we can you know yeah i can suck him in that way so uh yeah i've been i've been you know i've been doing my solo music and for so many years you know it's really uh, improved your songwriting though too you know yeah because i don't know a lot of anybody else and once you once you realize you can you know carry it on your own then you don't you don't know you don't have that like insecurity feeling about well i need a bass and drummer i need this and that when i do these or another guitar player i used to play with uh, my partner, Mark Malio was great. We we're still, we we're still tied and together. We did a lot of duet shows. We toured the South, a lot acoustic, mm-hmm. but then I just ended up doing, doing it by myself. Cause it's like, then you don't have to rely on anybody. Nobody has to show up. Nobody has to know their songs. You just go <laughs> and do it. And then once you, once you have that, like uh, kind of confidence, then, you know, then you don't have to worry about anything. The band members and people behind you are just like, added spice to the picture and it just makes it even even easier for yeah. you well and that back is the lead in italian to what i'm talking about here is your first couple albums were good but you always want your, your your latest album to be your best because you're always trying to be better so so the slaves one the songs you're going to do in my opinion is your best at this point because you've added right. and as your song's gotten better there's certain things you've added like i guess you're saying flavors or spices or little 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 pieces that are on this album and melodies are like little earbugs that are kind of getting caught in your head. It, it, it stepped up your game each time, you know, on each of your albums, um, which is which is which is great for the sound too. I mean, I think you really, and you feel, I think you really stepped into a good, good sound too. Now, I think you've locked it in now. I don't know if you feel that way. Yeah, I've, I've, I definitely took a different uh, a different approach on this one. I added a lot more guitars, a lot more layering, and it, I had the time because of the pandemic, so I was doing a lot of recording at home and I had the opportunity to add like second, third guitar parts. And I just did them all myself. And I just sit here and jam to my own songs and come up with other parts and kind of built these songs um, sonically with my guitar playing. Once I had the bass and drums down, then we added the keys and, you know, all that stuff to color it up even more. So, you know, it isn't, it isn't quite as raw as some of my earlier stuff and, and not so rootsy, but, it was an experiment and you know, I like the way it came out. Yeah, I do too. It just, no, it feels like you're just like, you know, building off what you've done is what I'm saying. Like and as a songwriter and being, you know, on your own and not relying on anybody, you've really kind of put all your stuff into it, which is, you know, great. It's a little slicker than some of my previous work, you know? Um, and, you know, I don't know, you know, it, I don't know if I'm going to go back to some of my more rootsier style stuff the next time around. I've got I've got about 12 new songs written for another record already that I think are going to be a little bit more down and dirty, a little bit more sparse, not so produced, not so many sounds, just back to like more, you know, soulful Mm -hmm. um, expression. Yeah. When you're writing, where are you getting these melodies from? I mean, because it's really hard to get a good melody. And you, I, I could just think of a couple of top of my head that, you know, like from Loss or Wise Choice or Days of the Dreamer or um, Fools. Those are melodies that kind of get stuck in your head all day. You know? you know what? I think that comes from like all the all the music I listened to my whole life growing up. I think 
you know, you know, you you carry all that in your subconscious. I think the music you grew up listening to, the music you like. I listen to music my whole life, so I think those melodies, for somehow, have managed to like stick in my brain. Where when I write it, I just hear these melodies. I don't know; they're probably songs I've heard a million times, but they work for the part that I'm writing, and they come out. And these hooks, and these choruses, or whatever, like melodies, like you said, I just have this natural, I guess, gift to like, you know, pull those in and and use them because I hear a lot of you know, great musicians and great bands that or newer bands that are trying that with talented guys in them that don't necessarily have the hooks or the melodies or lyrically, they don't like catch you, you know? I agree with you. That's why I'm pointing this out because it's, yeah. It's, and some of them, I'm just like, well, this is this guy from this band. And this is this guy from this band. These guys should be writing some amazing music. And, you know, technically, musically, maybe they're great. Like the parts are all good and strong. They all go together, but where's the hook where's the melody and where's the lyric and those right. things are uh, i feel you know some sort of like 10 percent of musicians can really get that well and do it well that's why they go to outside writers and maybe they have a style that they need somebody else to write for them and bring those songs in to to uh express their style with a good songwriter it's, it's good it well, I guess you, you hear influences, but what I don't, it's like, usually I can hear something like, oh, it sounds like so-and-so. Like a lot of these songs that I'm like, I don't really hear, you know, I can hear a style of music. Like I could hear the Tom Petty style, like it would fit in between on the radio with Tom Petty and other artists of that time. You know what I mean? Some of these mm-hmm. songs. But it doesn't sound. That I never like learned that. people's songs. I never learned people's, I never covered people. I was never a cover artist. I did all original my whole life. So I never like learn anything to perfection from somebody else. I mean, I listen to them and jam Zeppelin or whatever people's music, but I never took exact, you know, did it exactly the same way or, or learn their songs. Perfect. I mean, I do a couple covers, but they, I do it my way. So I think my interpretation of um, all my music from lyrics to guitars, to riffs, to the bang tango stuff was always, uh, from kind of a original uh, perspective. I came at it with not being too influenced by anybody. Are you usually writing lyrics, guitar, or melody? What, you know what I'm saying? As it, I do it all together. Usually usually when I write songs, it's it's usually a chord progression of some kind or a riff of some kind first, and then I yeah. start ad-libbing uh, melodies off of that, and then eventually you know, subconsciously will spew out some, some lyric that I, Oh, there's a subject, you know, and then I'll take that subject and then write around that subject and you, the use that chord progression and, and then let the song kind of play itself. It's just, when I write these songs, just kind of like, they just kind of play themselves. Yeah. Like I, I know where I got to go, but I, I've done it so many times that I can't do that again. I've done that in a million other songs. So yeah. especially with bridges and, uh, you know, I, I may use the same three chords in 10 songs, but how I place those chords and the melody and how it works makes them different. Because sometimes I get confused on my own songs because I use the same three chords. And I'm like, oh, uh, how did that really put the rhythm or whatever it is? It's different. Changes up the melody. And, you know, 
Well, it's it's not as common as you think that when people write songs, sometimes people will be like, I, they will have a melody in their head, and then they have to figure out what the lyrics are going to be, or the you know what I'm saying, or the yeah. they'll go to the box of riffs they have. You know what I mean? You'll be like, what riff would fit with this melody? And then I got to think of words to go along that fit the phrasing. Like, so I you writing almost as a problem, right? I, so I, you I, having it as a complete project as you go is. I don't be have that problem. I know. I but I could see people overthinking things and trying to like do that. Like, okay, I got a melody, but I need a lyric, and then I need a I'm sure you know people that do that that have done that. And I, oh I, yeah, know, a lot of people. Right, and that's why people have such a hard time writing songs because they get too caught up in those things you're talking about, rather than just naturally letting all those three things come together, or four things, and mix up into a song. It's like, um, you know, that's why people end up spending four years writing a new record, but. You know, you can't overthink it. You know, if you got something decent and, and you could build on it, like I, I write songs with two chords, three chords, and you get in the studio and then you could change up the rhythms, um, the, you know, the feel of the song or the production of the song. And, and that that three chord song could be a huge hit. But when you're sitting around your backyard on acoustic, it just sounds like another folk song. <laughs> so that's that's where I, I have like a bigger scope of um, what can come of some of my songs that are just basically written on acoustic in my backyard which most of them are which is you know the sign of a good song though if you can play an acoustic you can play it anywhere mostly yeah i try to approach it that way and then you know sometimes i come up with like riffs on electric and then i'm like well you know that's a whole different thing where you have to kind of write in a different format i usually write acoustic you know just like all the like dylan or tom petty or bruce springs all those guys you know they kind of come up with just Cool, cool chord progressions. I think it challenges at that point then to have to come up with a melody. It kind of makes it really stripped. You really have to kind of look at it instead of putting overdoing it and having a real cool riff, electric, and then you know going that way with it. You being acoustic kind of forces you. I think from the outside looking in, get melodic, right? Write a yeah, write a melody, yeah, yeah. And it also lends itself to it because when you play acoustic, you got those big broad chords that all those chords have different kind of tonalities in those chords where you can grab some sort of note to build those mm-hmm. choruses. I mean, you know, look at the Beatles, you know, three chords can go a million miles. And even though they're, they're maybe they're all redundant. They've been done before. They're still catchy. You know, those melodies. Well, that's because the Beatles wrote all the songs already before everyone else started. It was already done. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's, let's um, talk about some of your, uh, your guitars there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Days of a Dreamer. So this guitar is a, <clears throat> you see that? So this is a, a 78 uh, Fender Tele that uh, I used on most all the rhythms, all the l- electric parts, um, and a lot of the solos on Don't Kill the Cat, and then um, the new one on Days of a Dreamer. And um my wife got this for me when we got married five years ago. I always like this color and the style. Um, I put Lawler pickups in here, which are um, little hybrid telly pickups, a little bit hotter. Um, it they don't feed back when you crank them loud like authentic telly pickups. Um, so my buddy uh, Bruce Nelson, Nelson Guitars, he uh, he hooked me up with these pickups and did the setup on it. You know, I probably spent an extra $300 after I got it to make it right for me. But, uh, so this is like kind of my number one acoustic, uh, electric, um, 
guitar for most of my songs, newer songs. Days is that of like off white? Is it off white? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 transparent. You can see the wood through it. Nice. Um, black pickguard. Um, I forget the bridge you put on here, but it's like really killer bridge. New bridge. Um, some different um, different pots. A little bit uh, hotter, hot, newer, upgraded volume knob and tone knob. I put a. I like the Tele uh, toggle switch here. Yeah. Keith Richards does that. <laughs> the, the reason I like it from a, a traditional telly is because you can get underneath there easier. The other one's got it's kind of bulky. Uh, Rosewood neck, um, all original. Everything's all original. Seventy eight. So, uh, so yeah, That's nice. Yeah, this thing's cool. The Lawler pickups like change change everything. They're 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 unbelievable. So I use that, and then um, that that's a, that's a, that's a nice gift too. Every year, right before your uh, your anniversary, does your wife go? That's a nice guitar. I haven't heard you play it for a while. Kind of like a little solo <laughs> yeah, <right>? reminder <laughs> to remind you. Like, yeah, it's a nice guitar. Oh, wait, anniversary's coming up. <laughs> Let's go back to Bang Tango for a minute. So this is the original Jackson that wow. I used on some someone like you. Um, I got this guitar from a guy who, he uh, worked for Jackson and he got all these Jackson guitars. This is before Bang Tango, like we just got together. No, I got this in City Slick before Bang Tango. So oh, wow. this was made for Steve Stevens. Um, somehow he, he rejected it. So this guy I hooked up with that worked for Jackson had all these Jackson guitars. So this, this fan of the band I was in, City Slick at the time, she goes, I'll kick you some money so you can get that guitar. So she, I didn't have the money to buy it. So anyways, she, she kicked me about 50 bucks towards it. I got this guitar and this became... Um, pretty much the entire, uh, you know, Psycho Cafe Bang Tango guitar. I use oh, wow. this on probably 90% of it. Someone like you, all that. Um, it was stolen once for me um, in St. Louis at a club called, I want to say like P. Diddy's or something. We had played a show and uh, great show. We were all celebrating and uh, I was in the back of the bus hanging with some some fans and friends and my tech come came back and he goes that uh the jackson's missing so i'm like just don't even tell me that go go back there and find it i don't want to hear anything till you find it turns out they found it somebody hid it in the rafters in the in the uh dressing room above oh. up, up in the rafters somebody found it and my uh my guy my guitar player my tech comes back he goes we found it I'm like anyways somebody was probably trying to hide it and coming back later to get it Yep, exactly. Yep. So there's Hold that. On. The back. So the back's open. Is that a sound thing, or is that just you don't you don't want? To no, play I just it? I don't know. I never had the back for it. I didn't care. Um, You've heard yeah, those discussions online, right? People are like, "Do you leave the back on? It's a sound thing. It's not a sound thing." People are like, "It's just too lazy for me to put it back on." I just oh, yeah. never know. It's in. Maybe it didn't have it. I don't even know where it went. But I've got some serious nicks and stuff on this. This is a you know, um, this is a, a real original Floyd Rose. Um, do you know the pickups are? Yeah, they're they're the uh, stock the J the J ninety uh, Jackson pickups. Okay, you know um, this one's pretty killer. It's pretty hot. Sounds good. Um, these are just their single coils that they use. I dropped the middle one because I don't use it a whole lot. But like some of the some of the funkier Bang Tango stuff, I this is really weird. Steve Stevens is I he, each one of these has a toggle switch for each pickup, which is a 
kind of a weird thing, you know, but uh, that way you can isolate each pickup rather than like a, you know, a blade toggle, which would be a lot easier, but this is what he did. So um, yeah, great sounding guitar, great neck, feels killer. I love that color. I went back to, when we did the reunion, I went back and did, I played this thing and I was like, I don't know if I can play that, but actually the thing plays great. I can see why I used it so much. <laughs> and then from there, we got, I got picked up by Jackson, kind of an endorsement, and I had this guitar made, which is the, the P44 Flying Tiger um, Jackson. They made this for me. I designed it all, went down there to the factory and hung out with them and it's a bolt on. It's not neck through. Um, once again, no, no thing on the back. Pretty cool guitar though. Um, the pickup's not quite as as high output. It's not as good of a guitar sounding as the the orange one. Mm-hmm. But uh, strangely enough, they put this Floyd Rose on it, right? And it's made yeah. by Hammer. Hammer Hammer guitars. Hammer yeah. Hammer Hammer. I don't know what it's a Hammer Floyd Rose. Because at this time, a lot of other companies were like, you know, stealing the Floyd Rose kind of uh, right. pad, you know. So anyways, I used this on a lot on Dance on Cole's uh, record. I used it on like My Saltine and, um, you know, it, you know, I like this fighter pilot thing, I, you know, this plane thing. I got I kind of got influenced by Amir Rock because he always had all these cool ass bomber, you know, fight, fighter plane jacksons and so i i, I made mine <laughs> so yeah it was cool that's great looking all right then here this guitar oh, not this one wrong one so then when we, we were making dancing on coals and um john jansen who produced uh a bunch of people cinderella faster pussycat um all sorts of he's a and work with you know Eddie Kramer from um Hendrix. So we got John Jansen to produce Dancing on Coles, and I really wanted a Les Paul. So we went down to Hollywood to this, this store called Guitars R Us, and we I tried out 10 Les Pauls. I wanted a Les Paul. And um I played a bunch of them and I picked up this deluxe, this Burgundy Deluxe, and he goes, That's the one, you know. Little did I know they were like, you know, mini pickups, they're not humbuckers. But like, I didn't know a whole lot about Les Pauls at the time. And he goes, No, that's the best sounding one there is here. So uh, I would have gone with the standard now, like, as yeah. I learned more about Les Pauls. So, anyways, um, got this. Then I ended up using this literally like 20 years in Worry Beads. This was like my number one guitar when I did wow. <clears throat> all the Worry Beads shows. And, amazing sounding guitar i used it on uh probably you know 20 percent of dance uh days of a dreamer wow goes really good with a telly the combination of the two mm-hmm. so uh great guitar um yeah i mean this was like my number one for years so there's that and then there's this guy. So this is a tobacco sunburst standard, 75. And what did I put in? I put in a, 
the Pearly Gates pickup, which is was the uh, Bill Gibbons, I think here, and I think back 59 or something. I forget the pickups, but this guitar is like pretty much my number one um, now. Um, and I've used it, I mean, I've used it, you know, it's like, it's, it's pretty much, I play 90% of like my electric shows with this and that white tally now, but um, great guitar. Good for heavier stuff. It's just, it just sounds amazing. And this this is interesting story. My buddy, uh, call him Big Scott. He was my guitar tech. He ended up being Ronnie James Dio's um, main guy. Like he ended up road managing Black Sabbath with Dio in it because he's Dio's guy. So so Scott was my uh, my tech, kind of at the end of Bang Tango and into Worry Beats and. He 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 had this guitar and he goes, it's my brother's. He goes, can you just like take the guitar and put the pickups in you want to get it set up right, get a killer, and you can just play it. You can just have it basically, like a loner. So I had it for like, I don't know, 15 years. <laughs> and then he went through a divorce and he said, Hey Mark, I gotta get that guitar back from you. And I'm like, that's like my guitar, man. That's like, what are you kidding me? And he goes, I need the money, man. I got to get that back. So a good friend of mine, uh, one of my clients I work for, he said, I put a post up on Facebook and I said, man, I'm getting my guitar <laughs> repo from me. And he, he <laughs> sent me a message. He goes, how much you need? I, go, <laughs> I, I think he wants like 800 and he goes, it's done. Where do I send it? So he bought it for me. My a friend of mine, good friend. Nice. Uh, he's a good friend, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's, that, yeah. that's actually still a good price for that guitar, though. It's it was 800, steel. but this was, yeah. I mean, this guitar is like worth three grand at least. It's a, I know, it's a tobacco sunburst 75. Yeah. And it sounds amazing. So, yeah, that one's cool. All right. Awesome. So then I got, uh, what else do I got? I got this electromatic Gretsch fan of this guitar. It, it, it's got its purpose in studio. Certain songs you want that big speed, like kind of twang, but, uh, and it looks cool. <laughs> he got okay. it for me for, he gave it to me for a present. And instead of getting me like a, you know, traditional kind of hollow body Gretsch, he gave me this because I played Les Pauls and he thought it'd be more appropriate for me at the time. But, uh, Great gift, and I still have it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, I got during they uh, dancing on Cole's Bang Tango record. Mm -hmm. um, the guitar player Kyle Stevens he had an endorsement with Fender, and I needed a telly for some of the songs I had heard in like um, Midnight Struck and some of those kind of uh, twangier type songs so i got this from fender they pretty much gave it to me and um change out the pickups i think they're anderson pickups i don't even remember what we put in them uh, my tag but um ended up using this on um a lot of cool stuff off uh love after death the bang tango record that didn't come mm -hmm. out songs like crazy and uh you know uh thousand goodbyes and you know the more kind of uh gonna make you feel like you know the kind of bluesier stuff so this yeah, guitar this guitar i ended up using a lot in uh worry bees as well 
Um, and, uh, you know, I held on to it. Um, this one dent right here, this happened on the road because I was rooming with Joe Lestay, my singer, Bang Tango, and he, uh, he goes, hey, Mark, let me see that guitar. He, he grabbed it and banged it on the side of the bed, and I'm like, ah, oh, War Wounds, still there. It bang, uh, it's a bang, bang Tango. Yeah, it's a great guitar. My daughter, Scarlett, she loves this guitar. Like, this is her favorite guitar, and basically when she records, she's a musician too, whenever she uh, um, goes to the studio or does the live show, she goes, can I borrow the telly? So this is kind of like her her trip you know i like kind of and she actually sings on uh is it open wounds yeah 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 she's, a very she's got her artist. own little career going she's doing pretty well um she's in new york now but um she loves this telly so every time she's in town or she's recording or playing live she can what else did you do her. you on a side note here though for your for bang tango one of the sound you had a certain sound and one of the, the special things about bang tango was the guitarist really had its own sound that stood out over a lot of metal bands at the time. And I'm not going to debate names of genres because stuff makes me crazy. Well, there, you know are guitar, about... there are two guitar players, me and Kyle Stevens. So, you know, it was a tone uh, thing you guys had. You, 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 you know what I'm saying? You guys had a tone thing. It almost felt like I did psychedelic, a, but it had a different sound to it. I did a really weird thing. I used to use like, uh, you know, this Marshall right back here, down on the ground here. Right. You can't see so that Marshall is a 79 I had since I was 15. Super hot rider, like the loudest, most over-the-top head you've ever heard. Like like Van Halen would be like, come on, man, this is too over here. <laughs> <laughs> it is just like modded to the hilt. Uh, by this guy, Stevie uh, Furlet, he uh, started VHT. Now he has Pitbull and uh, amazing like amp tech guy. Um, so he modded that out. And... So I used that with a VHT power amp, which was, um, you know, I'd run out of a preamp, the preamp stage of the amp into the power amp, split it through two caps. And then what I did, which was really bizarre, I don't know why I did this, but <laughs> I had this thing called a Yamaha SBX90. You might've heard of that back in the day. It was a, it was a Yamaha um, uh, outboard gear rack mount, and it had this EQ on it. So with that EQ, I would take that EQ and like guys like Randy Rose and people back in the day would use the graphic EQs on the floor on their pedals, just right. boost all those, those graphics all the way up. Well, I took this thing and would just crank all the highs, mids and lows or whatever and make it overdrive and create that sound, which was really bizarre. I don't even know how I came about it. So that kind of created that, that original like, Someone like you, guitar sound, you know. Yeah, it's it was like a, some, like a pedal mix or something because it, it was its own sound. Like it was different, you know. And, and you know, and, and a funny, a really cool, funny story about that. When we were doing, uh, when we were doing Psycho Cafe, we went to Austin, Texas. Howard Benson was producing us, and we had spent about five hours trying to get this guitar tone because we started guitars. I went first. I go into the room. I spent five hours. And I'm, I use my parametric, the whole thing I just told you, the VHT, the Marshall, the whole thing. Yeah, but this is the day I've been finally waiting for. I was 23. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, hey, Mark, can you step out of the room? I'm like, what? He goes, can you step out of the control room for a minute? So I leave the control room and I'm like, the band's like out, out in the lounge party. And, you know, he's really drinking right. beers. I'm like, he's kicked me out, man. I spent five hours trying to get this tone. 
you know, am I not cutting it or something? I thought maybe it was like, maybe it was just like, didn't like my playing or something. And then he, we go up to the door, we put our ear to the door and he's listening to all these bands like Rat, Warrant and all these new, like bands that had already put out records at the time. Right. And he was trying to like AB my guitar sound to those new, those bands that already. Uh, had okay. Played. Yeah. So then it, so finally I go back in, he goes, I just want to make sure we got the sound for the record. And I'm like, all right, man, don't overthink it. <laughs> and that's, that's how we got that sound. Like finally agreed on it. <laughs> finally agreed on it because it stood out on its own. Well, that's the thing. It, it really is. A, it was a nice tone. It's, it's different. It's, yeah. He probably did some stuff in post, like, you know, maybe compression or whatever. I don't know. But uh, it's the most part, it, feels, it feels like it's snappy. It feels to me, I hear, especially I can hear the right from my head. It's like snappy, but dry, but high, like hot. Just something very... It's mids. Like, that's yeah. from the EQ. And then Kyle Stevens had his own thing with his strats, you know, which were a little bit more springier and open, you know. So those the combination of those two guitars, mine was a little bit more bitey and, you know, uh, in your face. And his was a little bit more springier and open with the, the strats. So those combinations of those guitars made it interesting. Well, it worked. You could, you could hear it too. It didn't muddy him down. I mean, you could hear the t- two different guitars, which really added yeah. to the sound. Yeah, he was, Howard was great with that. He mixed them well. Even when John Jansen, the second record, same thing. He was like really into our guitar playing and, and our tones. And He hated tube screamers, you know, the tube screamer, because yep. we love those. So he'd call <laughs> it, so we'd always want to put that on everything. All the rhythms, not even the leads, just all the rhythms. He'd be like, listen, no, he called the green weenie. He's like, lose the green weenie, man. <laughs> He's like, just let it breathe. And nowadays I'm like, totally get it. But back then I was like, no, I got to have it, man. It gets the tone. Well, and the thing is after the album came out, you guys were benchmarked as being, not getting sidetracked here from it, but each of you, all of you guys in the band had your own sound. Like when you, heard, yeah. when you listen to the album, it wasn't like you heard the album, like there's a certain, like other bands that genre had a certain sound and then you hear the solo and then the melody, you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. you know, Bang Tango, Everything kind of stood out as like, but it was you know, unique. That's take yeah. drum sound. It's a, a certain snap, and it's, it's the guitar sound is, and then of course the bass. You know, because yeah. like, you know, I mean, so you guys have to your guitar game because the bass player, you know, <laughs> it was all unique. unique. We're all we were all like, you know, we all had our own trip, and which made it very unique, including Joe's vocals. You know, everything was so original and different, which made the sound of the band, which is like really rare. You get you get a bunch of guys that aren't just generic rocker rockers or, you know, on four on the floor. We were all just, and like, it was produced well too. That allowed all of you guys all yeah, uh, to be heard guys. separately. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was a, it was a really interesting mix of guys. And um, collectively it was a different sound, you know, it's, it's like the chili peppers, you know, like some of those early records, you're just like, Whoa, everybody is different and cool. And, and that's what makes great bands. You know, it's like, so it's like almost like two different bands and sounds. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, was that on purpose? You know, but, but like, you know. Were you like, um, I need to get a break from the rock thing. Like it was such a thing. Or was it just I mean, natural? You know, I play rock plenty in my own original music. You know, I mean, look at Rusty Bones, you know. Uh, I, I don't think that it's that far off from a thread from Bang Tango, but it's definitely different. And, you know, we're talking about 25 years, you know, I learned how to sing. I had to learn how to write songs. I had to learn, but I had this thing in me that wanted to do that. And I I'm wasn't smiling, I'm thinking about learning how to sing and play guitar at the same time. Is... All that. I don't know. 
you know, I was just a guitar player, a little shredder guitar player guy, you know. That's what I wanted to do as a kid. I I wanted to be, you know, Eddie Van Halen or Michael Schenker. You know, I didn't I didn't want to be like a singer-songwriter guy. And you know, and it just I just grew up and all of a sudden it like hit me and I was like, wow, I love this. You know, I I just got, you know, music music is evolving all the time and, and your taste evolve and you get older and you don't necessarily, you know, the three chord rock metal songs don't do the same for you that you want to hear. There's a time and place for everything, I think, you know, and definitely it, that's the whole point. Like from the outside, people go, oh, it's Mark Knight. And then, oh, he has some soul stuff. That's like totally not the same. Like, and that's why I'm like approaching like from outside fans say, hey, you know, that maybe I've been like, you know, 100% following you the whole time. I want people to be like, yeah, so it's coming organic, coming organic change for you. And it sounds like two different, you know, professional careers. Hey, you know, I've had. been doing it long enough now that the Bang Tango fans, a lot of them, good, good portion of them because of social media, I can get out my music to them. And they have crossed over to like being fans of my music for what I do now. It's not like with their influences. And they're like Kyle, Kyle played on, on days of a dreamer. He played on wise choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a guy who just played some amazing bass parts on those songs and he's bang tango, you know, just a kind of intimate one called just Mark Knight title self title, right. which, you know, my wife thinks is my best work ever, of course, because <laughs> it's like so intimate. And then I have, you know, I have this don't kill the cat. And then, the new one yeah. is a dreamer. And then I have a song, just another one titled bone rail tight, which is Mark Knight bone rail tight. And that was the very that. first solo record I ever did. Well, no, I did perfect American family, which is an EP of six songs. That's where it started. And then I did Mark Knight bone rail tight with uh, some incredibly talented Matt apps from government. You'll play drums. He, yeah. me and him kind of, it was me and him, his kind of, baby and mine we put it together and that was really interesting and cool and then from there you know i started doing the unsung heroes band and you know three records you've heard so i'm always you know i'm always moving forward with new material new songs and constantly writing and you know that's that's what i do so Really, on a high note, because we're going to introduce something with you. We're going to introduce like six songs you're going to do, and it's really great. Um, but last words to say, you got new stuff coming up, some gigs coming up, anything coming up for you? Yeah, um, so so going in rehearsal with a, a kind of a new rendition of The Unsung Heroes and next week. Um, put this, I'm putting this band together that's going to be different, and I already know it's going to work because there are people that we all know. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, going to start up rehearsals, hopefully get out and gig, you know, uh, you know, yep. the way things are, who knows what's going to happen. But, and then in the meantime, I'm doing, uh, this, this place in Westlake called Nabu Wines where I play <clears throat> a really cool spot. Um, doing a- all right. Excellent. And people can go and find you on every, every social media platform. All the links is, as usual, follow me will be under the DC the channel and then itunes spotify you're everywhere all your albums are there you know and yeah, was the website that. go to the, the website, website mark nine the unsung heroes you can go to the store you can pick up all the music um there we're out of uh cds for uh road sick guys but um you can get that on if you really want to hear it, you can get it on spotify but if you go, go to his site first to buy stuff if you can't get it elsewhere 
he may have some new ideas with some new merch stuff coming out too he's always updating and selling and doing different stuff the fans so uh it's always good to kind of check it out and follow him on facebook and instagram and everything else yeah all right so thank, uh, you. thank you and we'll be hopping into you doing some singing so uh, all, right. all right good luck thanks for having me what's called wise choice
song's called Days of a Dreamer, the title track of my uh, new record. Wait, wait that you can't carry a distant lost memory you like to forget. Where's, wish on a bright star one that you hold my fall into your hands. Still, they keep passing days of a dreamer as you keep casting, hoping to be the morning where you're calling out to everyone you know. Can you hear? From a lot that's gone, the memories carry on. Will they haunt you? Anxious for the things to come, the future you just can't run or control. Still, we keep passing. Days of a dreamer, as you keep casting, hoping to be a warrior. They keep on passing, leaving you all alone. You're calling out to everyone, calling out to everyone, calling out to everyone you know. Can you So they bury them deep to the winter settles in. Hold out till the end. Hold out till the end. Oh, 
bones here for you. <laughs> Not much of an acoustic song, but we're going to give it a whack. <laughs> Oh, 
make you sing to the most unthinkable things. Oh, my rusty Let you down. 
Wake up! 